Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Thursday, December the 16th, you are only one day away from your weekend. Can you imagine? Praise be to God. Just imagine what you're going to be able to do this weekend to to rest, relax. You still have a a solid week before you have to listen to Christmas carols or decorate something. Praise be to God. Make Advent great again, I say. Uh, We're going to have a great show for you today. Coming up at 15 past the hour, rumors are spreading and they are wide and fast and furious about the war on tradition coming out of the Vatican. Uh, there is uh, rumors that there's going to be a, a lockdown on the traditional rights of the church as early as tomorrow, possibly. So we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up at 15 past the hour. Plus, there's a story out of Fox News about Catholic vote pressing the DOJ to investigate, to actually do their job against crimes against the Catholic Church. And uh, we'll maybe mention a little bit of that as well, coming up at 15 past the hour. At 35 past the hour, Father Imbarato is going to be our guest to talk about the Red Rose Rescue, going all in to save babies, to the point of being arrested. We're going to have a conversation about the Red Rose Rescue. Is it effective? How does he see the turn of events coming out of the Texas heartbeat bill, as well as the potential of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. What are his thoughts? Father Stephen Imbarata, the protest priest, will be our guest at 35 past the hour. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Morning, Joe. Sorry about that. I had to unmute my little button there. Speaking of solid weeks, you're like T-minus a week and a half, and you're no longer Californian. I know. It's really getting close. Are are you sure you want to do this? I'm so sure, because... You know, they have already banned uh, lawn bl- lawnmowers and uh, uh, That's the line for me, personally. That's the line for me. Once you that's ban lawnmowers, line. I'm done, okay? I love lawnmowers. I mean, lawnmowers what am I going to do with my generator? You know I, what I mean? I love watching my sons mow the lawn with a lawnmower, okay? I like the look of my lawnmower in the garage. You can't be banning my lawnmower, man. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Speaking of mowing lawns, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Speaking of mowing lawns, wow. Do you mow lawns? Have you no. have you ever mowed a lawn? Have I ever mowed a lawn? Yes, of yes. course. But okay. I live in an apartment, so do you, do you, no lawn. Do you have a preference on the kinds of lawn mowers you, no, you like? No, You have no preference? Not at all. Wow. I just use whatever is available. Electric, gas. I am scissors. They, they make the new battery-operated ones now, too. Yeah, those are much quieter. I was going for a jog the other day, and I saw someone um, using one of those, and I was like, oh, Hold on, that's not making any noise. <laughs> I was, I had to do like a triple check. I is was that like, a Tesla? Like, what, what is that thing? I was like, what the heck is going on over there? And it was a lawnmower that was completely silent. I was like, wow, like low key, that it's kind of nice. I kind of want that. Yikes! So there you go. That Christ to heaven for vengeance. <laughs> lawnmowers that don't that don't that blow don't your make, ears out. That don't make noise. All right. Well, uh, yeah, so Rudy is moving to to the great city of Houston, Texas, coming up in just about a week and a half from now or so, or I I guess it's two weeks, I guess. Mm -hmm. At any rate, we're looking forward to having him in the studio come January, praise be to God. Uh, But uh, we are going to have some great conversations before that happens. So let me just give you the rundown really quickly, what will happen next week. 
So we will have uh, shows at the beginning of the week, but come the 23rd, we're going to begin to uh, uh, give you some pre-programmed programming on the 23rd. The 24th is special programming. Christmas Eve, of course, we're going to uh, allow EW10 to play their Fulton Sheen special in this first hour. And then, of course, uh, the following week, the 27th and the 28th will be live shows. I will not be here. I'll be on vacation. And the rest of that week will be the best of of Catholic Drive Time, getting us through January 1. So that's what you can expect coming up at, uh, at the rest of uh, next week and the week after. But tomorrow, uh, Dr. Michael Barber is going to be our guest. He's got a brand new book out called The Real Meaning of Christmas. So that's coming up. And then uh, next week, I'm very excited to uh, share with you the interview we did with Alex Marlowe, chief or editor-in-chief of Breitbart, about his book, Breaking the News. So there's going to be some great content coming your way uh, before we go to Christmas break and uh, and whatnot. So let's dive in for this hour. Father Stephen Imbarato, the protest priest, as I said, will be our guest. We're going to be praying for your intentions, dear listener, whatever is on your heart, whatever your needs are. We're going to ask Our Lady to intercede on your behalf. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Rudy Carlos. Let's dive right into the headlines this morning. Epic Times reports, doctor says he was fired for trying to treat COVID-19 patients with ivermectin. A Mississippi doctor said he was fired for attempting to treat COVID-19 patients with ivermectin, which is approved by the FDA to treat parasites, although the hospital in question said he was not an employee but instead an independent contractor. Dr. John Witcher, an emergency room physician at the Baptist Memorial Hospital in Yazoo City, said he was told not to come back after taking several COVID-19 patients off remdesivir, which is approved by the FDA to treat the virus, and allowed them to use ivermectin instead. I was very surprised, he says, that I was basically told not to come back at the end of the day, Witcher said on the Stu Peters podcast. These patients were under my direct care, and so I felt taking them off Rendesvir and putting them on ivermectin was the right thing to do at the time. There have been reports of severe COVID-19 cases recovering from the, from the disease after taking ivermectin, a relatively inexpensive drug compared to Rendesvir. A lawyer for the family of 70-year-old for a family, a lawyer for the family of a 71-year-old man, Sun Ning told the Epic Times earlier this month that Ning's life was most definitely saved by taking ivermectin because his condition changed right immediately after he took the drug. The Blaze Report's analysis finds that inflation will require the average U.S. household to spend about $3,500 more in 2021. As Americans suffer the severe economic consequences of soaring inflation, the average U.S. household will have to shell out about $3,500 more in 2021 in order to match their consumption levels from prior years, according to an analysis by the Penn Wharton Budget Model. We estimate that the inflation in 2021 will require the average U.S. household to spend around $3,500 more in 2021 to achieve the same level of consumption of goods and services as in recent previous years. The all-time, the all-items index rose 6.8% for the first for the first 12 months, uh, ending in November, the largest 12-month increase since the period ending in nine, in June 1982. 
The index for all items less food and energy rose 4.9% over the last 12 months, while the energy index rose 33.3% over the last year, and the food index increased 6.1%. These changes are the largest 12-month increase in the last 13 years in, respect, in the respective series. And the Associated Press reports Christian officials accuse Israel of holiday discrimination. A spokesperson for Christian churches in the Holy Land on Wednesday accused Israel of discriminating against Christian tourists during the normally busy Christmas holiday season. Israel last month closed its borders to foreign tourists in response to the outbreak of the Omicron coronavirus variant. But this week, Israel officials decided to make an exemption for Birthright, a popular program that provides free trips to Israel to young Jews from all over the world. Groups from the United States are expected to arrive next week with participants all fully vaccinated and remaining in small capsules. The travel ban has crushed the tourism industry in Israel and officials in Bethlehem, whose economy relies heavily on Christmas visitors, say the restrictions have ruined the holiday season for a second straight year. The West Bank does not have its own airport and most foreign tourists enter from Israel. And The Blaze reports Ohio CAIR, uh, CAIR, which stands for Council on American Islamic Relations Group, fires director after finding out he's been secretly recording their meetings for an anti-Muslim hate group. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Adelaide. She was born in 931 in the Orbe Castle, which is now modern-day Switzerland. She was a daughter of Rudolf of Burgundy. After her husband, King Lothair II of France, was murdered, she fled those accusing her of misdeeds. She took refuge in the castle of Como, and nevertheless, she was quickly tracked down and imprisoned for four months at Garda. She managed to escape from ca captivity, and she was rescued by a priest and taken to a certain impregnable fortress. She managed to send an emissary to Otto I and ask the East Frankish king for his protection. The widow met Otto at the old Lombard capital of Pavia, and they married on the 23rd of September, 951. Adelaide accompanied her husband on his second expedition to Italy, destined to subdue the revolt of Berenger II and to protect Pope John XII. In Rome, Otto the Great was crowned Holy Roman Emperor on the 2nd of February, 962, by Pope John XII and breaking tradition, also crowned Adelaide as Holy Roman Empress. Four years later, Adelaide and their 11-year-old son, Otto II, traveled again with Otto in 966 on his third expedition to Italy, where the emperor restored the newly elected Pope John XIII to his throne and executed some of the Roman rioters who had deposed him. Adelaide and her husband eventually returned to Germany, where Otto died May 973, at the same Melvin Palace where his father had died 37 years earlier. Adelaide reigned as regnant from Otto III was declared of legal majority in 995 and devoted herself exclusively to works of charity, especially founding religious houses, monasteries, churches, and abbeys. Adelaide had long entertained close relations with Cluny and the center of the ecclesiastical reform, and she retired to a nunnery which she had founded in 991. On her way to Burgundy to support her nephew, Rudolf III, against a rebellion, she died at Sells Abbey on the 16th of, November, of December, 999, days short of the millennium that she thought would bring about the second coming of Christ. She was buried in the abbey, and Pope Urban II canonized her in 1097. St. Adelaide, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. 
And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What went ye out into the desert to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what went you out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Behold, they that are in costly apparel and live in delicately, live delicately are in houses of kings. But what went you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say to you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my angel before thy face, who shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say to you, amongst those that are born of men, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is the lesser in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people hearing and the publicans justified God, being baptized with John's baptism. But the Pharisees and the lawyers despised the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized by him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Chrysostom said, The voice of the Lord is indeed sufficient to bear testimony to John's preeminence among men. But anyone will find the real facts of the case confirming the same by considering his food, his manner of life, the loftiness of his mind. For he dwelt on earth as one who had come down from heaven, casting no care upon his body, his mind raised up to heaven and united to God alone, taking no thought for worldly things, his conversation grave and gentle, for with the Jewish people he dealt honestly and zealously, with the king boldly, with his own disciples mildly. He did nothing idle or trifling, but all things becomingly. You know what that sounds like to me? Like St. Chrysostom, <laughs> pray for us, but St. Chrysostom is trying to say, John the Baptist was all in. He lived for heaven and heaven alone. He did not make compromises with the world. He was all in. And this world had nothing that they could bribe him with, tempt him with, or offer him. He did not need 80 more years on this ball spinning around. He did not need this. He wanted only God's will and to do the, the one thing God asked him to do, to make straight the path, to announce the good tidings, the great news that God, taken upon flesh, is dwelt among men and come to redeem us, to save us. Yea and amen, John. Please, please pray for all of us today. Coming up after this very short break, we're going to have a What's Concerning Us section, and then Father Stephen Imperato is still to come. All that coming up on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Many Protestants believe Christians can be absolutely sure they're going to heaven because John tells us in 1 John 5.13, I write this that you may know you have eternal life. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, John writes in the next verse, and this is the confidence which we have in him. For John, the knowledge we have of our salvation is not a certainty without doubt. 
but a confident assurance. And that's the Catholic belief. Second, we know this is what John means because in verse 15, he draws a parallel between our knowledge of salvation and our knowledge that God grants our requests. Do we have absolute certitude that God will grant our requests? No, but we are confident he will answer. So, Catholics need not worry. John is not teaching Protestant doctrine here. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Father Stephen Imbarato is going to be our guest uh, with the Red Rose Rescue. He is among the leadership of the Red Rose Rescue. We're going to have a conversation about being all in. Speaking of John the Baptist being all in, the Red Rose Rescue is is uh, the kind of group that's all in, all in to save babies. We're going to have a conversation around that coming up at 35 past the hour. As I said, there are a few stories that are of great concern to me and I'm sure to you as well. Uh, among them, here is a headline I saw on Fox News this morning. Catholic Advocacy Group asks A.G. Garland to investigate trend of vandalism against Churches, hmm, we saw a huge rise in that last year in 2020. Uh, People were vandalizing churches all over the country, breaking statuary, spray painting. I'll never forget the the cathedral out in California for uh, the uh, Chaldean Catholics and how they spray painted such crazy stuff all over their church. And for many of those folks, they are having flashbacks to ISIS and in Iraq and their spray painting and threats and, and all the rest. But here's a little bit of the article from Fox News. It says the recent spat of attacks on Catholic churches has prompted requests for an investigation, including one from an advocacy group that sent the Justice Department a letter on Wednesday. In the letter, Catholic Vote President Brian Birch criticized DOJ for making, quote, no meaningful effort to raise awareness or address the disturbing rise in hate-filled attacks on Catholic religious symbols, shrines, statues, and churches. The article goes on to say, addressed to Attorney General Merrick Garland, the letter pointed to a U.S. conference of Catholic bishops tracker that has documented 113 alleged incidents of arson, vandalism and other destruction at Catholic sites along the U.S. or across the U.S. rather. Just last week, footage surfaced with a man reportedly taking a hammer to an Our Lady of Fatima statue at the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. Quote, in the past year, we have witnessed, among other things, in California, statues of Father Junipero Serra toppled in protest of what activists have called the enslavement of the Native Americans, unquote, Birch said. Going on to say, a monument for babies whose lives are ended by abortion was knocked over At Our Lady of the Assumption Church in Bloomberg, New York, the Cathedral Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Denver, Colorado, was recently marked with satanic graffiti, unquote. The DOJ did not immediately provide comment. The letter comes after DOJ encountered criticism for launching a nationwide investigation for purported harassment and intimidation of school boards. Not to to forget, though, that just this morning we saw uh, reports out about uh, further... Bad problems within the DOJ, especially the FBI, millions of dollars being given to informants to for prostitution, drugs and other things. And uh, it just seems to get worse and worse and worse all the time. So maybe we can get uh, Mr. Birch on from Catholic Vote uh, soon to have a conversation around this. It'd be very good. 
I want to turn to the rumor mill that's uh, heating up quite a bit. Uh, the war on tradition within the church is, uh, is definitely not taking a break. There have been rumors that out that uh, the, the Vatican is about to issue a directive to sort of make it even more forceful, the Traditionis Custodis uh, document from His Holiness Pope Francis. You know, some bishops have gone heavy, some bishops have gone light, some bishops are in between. Uh, there's been uh, some good news uh, coming out of Mexico recently that, that there was a reversal, of course, there, and I hope that's true. Praise be to God. But uh, the rumor mill coming out of uh, Rome is definitely heating up. Some say that there's going to be a directive as early as tomorrow. Rate Chaley put out a little short snippet yesterday on their blog, and it says, uh, Rate has learned and can confirm that the instruction for the Congregation of Divine Worship Prefect Archbishop Arthur Roach on the application of the Moto Proprio Traditionis Custodis is to be published next week, unless some extraordinary measure prevents the publication of the already approved text. The instruction will try, among other things, to impose over the global church by violent and illegitimate will of the legislator the blueprint established for the Diocese of Rome by its Cardinal Vicar months ago regarding all sacraments other than the Holy Eucharist. If we gather more details before publication, we will let you know. Now, what I found interesting about this, the the uh, LifeSite News came out with an article basically quoting from this blog post over Rorate Chaley today. Uh, their headline reads, Vatican to implement sweeping worldwide ban on traditional sacraments in accordance with Traditionis Custodis. Now, um, but I also saw this morning Edward Penton, in an effort to verify, to confirm, to get beyond just rumor, because here's the thing when it comes to these, these rumors, they, they, they spread far and wide, but there are people who are very credible who are also saying that this looks like it's going to be happening. People with inside sources. It's not just fly-by-night. It's not just, you know, it's not just pure rumor. There are people who are actually trying to, to verify this information. Edward Penton... On his personal blog, he put out uh, this. It says, Archbishop Roach and Cardinal uh, Braz de Aviz refuse to be drawn on Traditionis Custodis application document. And I'll, I'll just summarize it for you. Basically, uh, Edward Penton, he called their offices, and he's trying to get them to confirm one way or another whether or not this is true. And if it's not true, to, den- to say that, say it's not true. Um and they, they didn't respond to him. So to make it easier, he sent them a statement, and he only wanted a yes or no. And it, it, the statement he said uh, said this, in quote, In view of the deep concerns about possible changes to the traditional form of the Roman rite, I am writing to respectfully ask if you would answer the following question with a yes or no. Is a document being prepared on the application of Traditionis Custodis to the Universal Church, i.e. beyond the Diocese of Rome, that would prohibit any of the sacraments other than the Eucharist being celebrated in the traditional form of the Roman Rite, unquote. So he sent that to them, and then he followed up with phone calls to their secretaries to say, hey, did they, did they get my, my question, and are they going to be responding? Well, one of the two cardinals did uh, respond, sort of. Uh, he says Cardinal Braz de Aviz's secretary responded by saying his eminence had said, quote, he has seen your message and asked me to reply that he has nothing to say about your 
question. Uh, Archbishop Roach, however, did not respond. So there is kind of where we're at with this. Um, that's a vague and ambiguous response out of the very people who are uh, who are rumored to have uh, been preparing to submit this directive to the Universal Church. But here's how it boils down. If, in fact, this rumor turns out to be true, and this directive does come out, and this is now an even heavier hand at uh, enforcing traditionis custodis, what this means is the traditional form of baptism, for instance, um, the traditional form of confirmation of, uh, I, I suppose it will also affect, and Adrian, maybe you can chime in here, I suppose it can also affect the traditional form of uh, holy orders and those priests that are about to be ordained. Um, essentially, it's all the sacraments with the exception of the Eucharist. What have you found, Adrian? Yes, that's uh, what I've heard as well, that uh, all the sacraments, save that of the Eucharist, of the Holy Mass would be restricted to the Novus Ordo uh, use of the sacraments. And it's also interesting because, I mean, we don't even know what kind of language to use when we talk about this kind of thing, because right. the idea of use, it's not actually a use. It's not a right. It's not a, like, we, the whole, this whole language has been upended. Was, Pope Benedict created the terminology extraordinary and ordinary forms, but that's been abolished as well. So, I mean, we don't even have language to talk about what's going on here. Um, and it, this is really, it really is devastating because if this ends up being the way that, and we'll find out very soon, this is why, I, I mean, this, we've been hearing rumors about this since the beginning of December, and we just haven't reported on it. But now it's uh, to the point where there are a lot of people talking about this, and it's very close. I mean, we're going to find yeah. out whether it's right or wrong in the next week. I don't like to get too caught up in the rumor mill, so you kind of wait to see how things are going to go, and you definitely want to see who's who's actually mentioning these rumors. You want people with credibility to do that before you start chiming in, because who knows? Like, I mean, it's way above my pay grade, right, to uh, to truly know the mind of the uh, of those in these uh, dicasteries. But um, at any rate, it does it does seem like it's leading that way. And uh, like I just reported from Edward Penton, you know, the fact that they didn't say, no, this isn't true. I mean, that's an answer, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is really bad because my friends and I, we, we were talking about this like all last night, uh, me and my roommates. And the problem is a ton of, I, and I know this is universally true across uh, the world, but out of our friend group, there's a number of us who are fixing to get married. And they're all planning on getting yeah. married in the traditional rite. Well, think about holy orders. Well, right. And then all these priests, well, that, that's a whole other case as well. But for the, there's all these people, they will not be allowed to get married. And, and it's already the case that in Houston, along with many other cities across uh, the world, where you, the only people who are allowed to say the, the uh, traditional mass and the, for the other sacraments, the traditional yeah. use of the sacraments, yeah. are... Uh, Ecclesia Day communities or formerly Ecclesia Day communities because Ecclesia Day doesn't exist anymore either. Uh, so that's another confusing point. And uh, so in Houston, there's only one parish that is allowed to say the traditional form of the uh, sacraments. And that is and that's going to be restricted even further to being no one. My my speculation, and that's all it is. It's pure speculation on my part. But my speculation is this will be kind of it'll be Followed in some places to the letter of the law, and in other places it won't be followed hardly at all. Mm -hmm. And then in most places, maybe someplace in the middle. Um, but either way, I, I think the bottom line is the, the war, as I said this a minute ago on Twitter, the war on tradition by the modernists is going to backfire. 
It's going to, I mean, you're only filling the parking lots of, of traditional communities and you're making the line to confession that much longer for me to have to wait in. So thank you for that. I appreciate your, your care and your concern about me getting into confession in a timely way. Uh, you know, I would have, if I were, okay, if a back chair popery here, if I, uh, armchair popery here, if I could be Pope, I would reverse that and I would put the traditional form of the mass in every suburban parish in America around the world. Um, but that would fill the parking lots. That would get people back to mass. And it would get young families back into those, those suburban parishes. Now, in places like uh, Houston, Texas, or Texas in general, the South, our parishes, uh, suburban parishes tend to be doing okay. Our parking lots are full. Go to New England. See how it looks up there. Tell me all about it. I mean, there are many parts of, um, of our country and the world where parishes are empty. I mean, they're just empty. I mean, even in Europe, it's becoming more and increasingly uh, uh, apparent that the great experiment has just not been working out too well. And uh, I really feel like this is going to backfire. Uh, they're not going to achieve what they want. They're going to get people to double down, and it's going to push people uh, great in a more forceful way towards the thing that the one thing that they didn't want. The question is, what's going? What are all these traditional priests going to do? Yeah, I guess we're going to find out, aren't we? But fast pray. We still have opportunities here to pray for the Holy Ghost to uh, to guide uh, the ministers of the church that are appointed there to to lead us. And so let's pray for them. Let's pray for their wisdom. Let's pray for their in, insight into these uh, difficult topics and to not just bring division in the church, but bring unity as well. Because uh, if unity is what you want, it's this. You're getting the opposite. It's it's not good. At any rate, that's going to do it for the What's Concerning Us section. Coming up after this very short break, we're going to have Rudy Carlos on for breaking news and stories, of course. And then we will have Father Stephen Imbarato on to talk about Red Rose Rescue, going all in to save babies. All that and more is coming up on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. For some couples, praying together is very natural, but for others, prayer may feel awkward or forced. The truth is, there is real power in spouses praying together. So how can couples pray together more? You can begin by blessing each other and your children in the morning, or engage in communal prayer together like the rosary or the mass. You can also ask your spouse, how can you pray for them? Intercede for them and their needs throughout your day as you are driving or cleaning. When parents need guidance in making decisions for the family, this is when the two of you should come before the Lord in faith and ask for help. And when you fall or make poor choices, you should also repent together and ask the Lord for His forgiveness and mercy. Growing in your prayer life is an essential way to develop and deepen your relationship, but also a way for you to support your spouse and love them more profoundly. A threefold cord is not easily broken. To hear more, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's your headline news this morning. Epic Times reports Florida's DeSantis proposes legislation that would allow parents to sue schools teaching critical race theory. 
Florida Governor Ron DeSantis proposed legislation on December 15th that would allow parents and teachers to sue schools and employees to sue employers who make them participate in policies or teaching involved in the principles of critical race theory. The proposed Stop Wrongs to Our Kids and Employees Act, which also goes by Stop Woke Act, would be the first legislation of its kind in the nation, his office said, and would take on corporate wokeness and CRT in schools in a way that would allow employees and parents to push back. CRT stems from Marx's teachings of critical theory and paints most of what goes on in society as dominated by a power struggle between the race of the oppressor and that of the oppressed, and is a theory that propels Black Lives Matter and demonizes the country's founders. Daily Wire reports Pelosi on rampant crime in San Francisco. She says, attitude of lawlessness in U.S. springs from I don't know where. Breitbart reports 1.9 trillion reconciliation package dead until 2022. Biden and Manchin not close to a deal. As Democrat leadership has desperately tried to win Manchin's vote to pass the largest welfare package since Lyndon Johnson's Great Society Initiative in the 1960s, a Fox News anchor on Wednesday indicated negotiations between the president and the senator exploded in failure and will not be restarted until 2022. Wednesday's negotiations were reportedly based on the length of time Manchin was willing to subsidize Americans with a child tax credit. Manchin and Republicans have voiced worries that spending trillions of dollars in welfare during a 40-year high inflation during 40-year high inflation would hurt the economy. The Congressional Budget Office estimated Friday that the price of the package would be would double uh, Biden's estimate. Senator Mitch McConnell said Wednesday, anyone with a shred of sense knows that this is the absolute wrong time to unleash a multi-trillion dollar spending and, and taxing spree. Every single day brings new evidence our Democratic colleagues should give the country a break. LifeSite reports Ontario Catholic Hospital invokes Pope Francis to deny Catholic nurse religious exemption for COVID jab. A nurse was suspended without pay by a Catholic hospital for not submitting to the abortion-tainted COVID jab. Agnes Sabiga raised moral objections to the vaccine mandate, but was denied religious exemption by the hospital administration who cited Pope Francis. What's even worse is that the chief operating officer of this so-called Catholic hospital based the mandate and refusal of religious exemptions on the fact that Pope Francis took the jab, so all of us should too. The biggest argument was that Pope Francis was in a way promoting it and saying it's okay for us to take it, Sabiga said. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God and all thanks. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. I was just reading a comment from one of our viewers over on Facebook. It says, uh, in Boston, parishes are empty and consolidating. Before shutdown last year, attendance numbers were low. After parishes reopened, the numbers are even lower. Heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, it is. Sure it is. Thank you, Laura, for, for commenting this morning. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Father Stephen Imbarato, the protest priest. His website is protestchildkilling.com. Good morning to you, Father. How are you guys? Good to be with you. Praise be to God. We're, we are alive, and that counts, and we're grateful to be on with you. And it was great to see you in Baltimore, by the way. Thank you for arranging the men's march. It was fantastic. It was uh, really a wonderful day. We've had three men's marches now. On December 8th, actually, we had a men's march in San Antonio. Uh, Jim and I were not in attendance. Uh, they took it upon themselves to process from the Planned Parenthood there to the uh, plaza in San Antonio, where perfectly placed is the cathedral and also uh, the city hall. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're really grateful that 
our Lord inspired Jim and that he said yes to it. And I'm really along for the ride. <laughs> Praise be to God. Well, the, the gospel from today uh, reminds us that St. John the Baptist was all in. He was all in. He did not live for this world. He lived for for the coming Messiah and for heaven itself. And uh, and I kind of think along those lines when I think of Red Rose Rescue, the 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 people who participate in Red Rose Rescue tend to be all in to save lives, uh, to save these babies from uh, the uh, the incredible atrocity of abortion. And I know you've been a part of that for a long time. So why don't we start with you telling us what is Red Rose Rescue and who are the people who, who are participating? Sure. Actually, we just uh, had our fourth anniversary. Uh, the first re- rescues were in September of 2017. The second rescues were December 2nd of 2017. It's hard to believe we've been doing this four years. Red Rose Rescue uh, is modeled after Mary Wagner of Canada's ministry efforts to go into abortion facilities, right into the waiting rooms, and uh, ask women to consider at the last moment, uh, prayerfully consider saving their babies' lives, to not turn their babies over to these abortionists, and to actually walk out and save these babies' lives. And Mary would do it by handing out roses to each of the women. And on the roses would be a, a, a saying about Jesus loves you, we love you, please uh, 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 consider saving your baby this morning. And then resources, local resources where the women could go to to actually get the, the, the help that she needs to save her baby. So Monica Miller in 2017 called the, re, uh, the pro-life movement to revisit the old rescue movement. And we came up with Red Rose Rescues modeled after Mary Wagner. In essence, it's direct intervention to save babies' lives at the last moment in the waiting rooms or hallways outside the waiting rooms of these abortion facilities. And it is really also important that we are present. We feel that we uh, need to be present for these babies and with these babies and show them uh, love, the only love that they may experience uh, before they are their lives are taken. So that is the essence of Red Rose Rescues. Uh, and I would say as much as the whole John the Baptist analogy, I don't think anyone in the Red Rose Rescue movement would say anything about that other than um, this is a small sacrifice we're paying. And as I told a judge once uh, before he sent me to jail for six days, uh, look at judge, the only thing I'm guilty of in doing this uh, rescues is not doing them every day. So, um, you know, it, it's a small sacrifice. If we believe that abortion is murder, and of course it is, uh, we believe that abortion is taking a baby's life, which it is, then what are we willing to do to save that baby's life, intervene to save that baby's life and help that mom? We're talking with Father Stephen Imbarato. His website is pro, pro, protestchildkilling.com. That's protestchildkilling.com. What are, how much time do you typically have when you enter the, the building, when you enter the waiting room and you begin to try to talk to people, how much time before people are dragging you out of there? Well, see, that depends because there's been some variations since we first started. 
Um, if we go into a standalone facility, uh, very often you have 15, 20 minutes, a half hour talking to the women before the police come. Wow. Uh, declare you trespassing and then uh, drag you out. I have been in the hallways of abortion facilities because a lot of these abortion facilities, especially in the Washington, D.C. area where I've done uh, rescues, are in these high-rise buildings, these professional buildings. Mm. And what we found out is after they throw you out of the waiting room, you can go out into the hallway and you're not trespassing until they somebody from the building comes, the property of the building manager comes, and sometimes it takes hours for that to happen. Oh, wow. So I've been, <laughs> I've been in these buildings for three hours, four hours, and the beauty of all of that is in every single instance when the police show up, they will shut off the elevator to that floor, not allowing women to go into. So we never block entrances. We never obstruct women. We never obstruct uh, access, uh, egress or ingress. Uh, but the police often do and turn uh, women away, not allowing them to uh, get their appointments. And then there's another variation where we uh, actually go into the parking lot. Many of these abortion facilities are inaccessible because of large parking lots, their location. And so we've also gone on to the, off the sidewalk into the parking lots and actually accessed cars that would not ordinarily be accessed. And when the police come, refuse to leave. We refuse to leave these properties when the police come because we feel that these uh, lines of demarcation are arbitrary. And again, they're killing babies. They're killing babies. What would you do if you saw someone killing a baby in their backyard uh, on their property? Wouldn't you hesitate? Would you wouldn't hesitate for a second to run onto their property and stop them from killing a baby? Well, that's exactly what's happening. So, mm. you know, we're not we don't feel limited to sidewalks. We will go on to parking lots. We will go into waiting rooms. We will go into buildings. Uh, common areas and police coming and telling us that we're trespassing has no meaning because, of course, legal abortion in this country is government sanctioned, government protected by the courts and law enforcement, government funded with our tax dollars, daily mass murder. They have no moral authority to tell us to do anything. Wow. We're talking with uh, Father Stephen Imperato. Uh, Rudy, I know you wanted to jump in there, but looking at the clock, we're, we're just at a break right now. We're going to take this very quick break. We're going to come right back. Father Stephen Imperato, Red Rose Rescue, is going to be on with us again uh, to continue this conversation. I'm curious about the punishments and uh, the charges and and uh, the effectiveness as well. So uh, all of that plus a lot more with Father Stephen Imperato. ProtestChildKilling.com is his website. But more is coming, so don't go anywhere. Have the drive time. We'll be right back. Share us with a friend. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is too condemning. It needs to practice more tolerance. G.K. Chesterton says, the other word for tolerance is indifference, and the other word for indifference is apathy. The Catholic Church cannot afford to be apathetic. It cannot afford to be tolerant of evil. It has to be consistent in opposing what is wrong and defending what is right. And the Church especially cannot afford to tolerate social evils 
that are condoned by the state. Why? Because sooner or later, it'll be turned against the church. History has shown this to be true more than once. Chesterton says there have been times in history when the church has been wedded to the world, but it has always been widowed by the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Glorianshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Glorianshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Glorianshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Glorianshine.com. Thank you again. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Father Stephen Imbarato is our guest. Red Rose Rescue is the topic. His website is protestchildkilling.com. Um, Father, uh, welcome back, and thank you again uh, for being on with us today. Rudy, you were about to chime in, and I had to cut you off. I'm sorry about that. Oh, yeah, no problem. Father, I love that analogy that you made about, uh, you know, witnessing your neighbor potentially killing their child. Obviously, you would jump in and, and try and do something. And I agree with the sentiment that, uh, you know, we're looking at massive abortion rates and the murder of children here in the United States all over the world. I'm wondering uh, if you could describe some of the success stories that you've encountered with Red Rose Rescue. Well, for me personally, and again, we're probably up to about three dozen rescues in the last four years. I've organized about 10, participated in five. I've not done a rescue since uh, May of 2020 because of several reasons. But I'm in Florida now. We have 58 abortion mills, and uh, odds are in the new year I'll be doing some rescues down here in Florida. But uh, success stories, I mean, we've had uh, police, as I said before, actually come and close off the floors that we were on twice. Cesar Santangelo didn't even show up for work on those days. And we know that when women are turned around, regardless of the method, the chances of them coming back to the facility to kill their babies uh, is uh, very slim. Uh, but we've had uh, women uh, turn around, uh, walk out in every single rescue. There's not one rescue that I'm aware of where we didn't have at least one turnaround. Very often women will go down to the pro-lifers on the street, uh, show them their roses and say, I'm, I'm uh, not uh, going through with it. Wow. Uh, we, we know that dozens and dozens and dozens of babies have been saved through Red Rose Rescues. And then, of course, there's the witness factor not just to the moms, but the uh, so-called medical professionals, the abortionists, the police, and then in court to the judges and uh, everyone that are in the courtrooms. Uh, so uh, there is, I think, a tremendous effect uh, in the direct intervention of saving the babies themselves, keeping the moms from being wounded, and then the witness effect uh, to uh, anyone that we encounter in the overall process, even going to jail. Mm. Uh, and uh, several of us have spent significant time in jail during uh, these rescues. Well, Father, you know, I was thinking about this, and whenever you talk about 
this kind of topic, you have a number of people who are, you know, they're allies, they are pro-life, they are fighting for moving the legislation. And but at the same time, they're saying what this whole Operation Red Rose Rescue thing, this is too much. We don't like that. And the reasoning they kind of give is they say, oh, well, you know, they're setting back the pro-life movement. They're making people dislike the pro-life movement and we have to make progress. But my point and I want you to get your comments on this. My point in response to that is always. But what about the child that's right there right now? Sure. We have these strategies that might save more babies down the road, but those are potential lives. Whereas these are actual lives that are sitting there right now about to be murdered. Shouldn't we do something about it? How would you respond to people who make these accusations against the Red Rose Rescue of being imprudent? Well, first of all, in the four years we've been doing rescues, we've come a long way. That's for sure. We're on the verge of overturning Roe versus Wade. I don't know if there's a direct correlation between the rescues that were done in a natural sense and the overturning of Roe versus Wade, but maybe in a supernatural sense. Uh, but what, you know, the question comes down to, and this is a question I've been asking myself since the end of the 90s, when I really got into true pro-life activism, what are you willing to do to save a baby's life? I mean, really, truly, is it murder? Yes, it's murder. Are they murdering these babies? Yes, they are. What are you willing to do? And for me to, uh, in response to these uh, criticisms, and there have been criticisms from different uh, aspects of the movement, uh, I say, look, at the only thing I'm guilty of is not doing this every single day. Uh, that is absolutely uh, for sure. Uh, we should be doing this every day. And I really think that the ultimate end is abolition of abortion. The ultimate end is constitutional personhood from the moment of conception. And Roe versus Wade being overturned or not, I don't think we're going to get there until we're doing these types of peaceful, prayerful, civil disobedience, even to the point of uh, risking our freedom, risking arrest uh, in a massive, massive scale. Mm. I'm not saying we should go back to the old rescue movement where we're blocking entrances, but I think we need to start moving in this direction, right? What are you willing to do to save a baby's life? And I think one of the problems in the pro-life movement, especially the corporate mainstream pro-life movement over the years, is we've gotten too wrapped up in celebrity, too wrapped up in money, too wrapped up in comfort. And I think that that is one of the things when I when I look at somebody like Father Fidelis, I mean, you have me on. I mean, Father Fidelis is somebody who inspires me. Mary Wagner spent six years in jail. Joan Andrews Bell, I was with her at a rescue. I didn't participate, but she walked in. She spent years in jail. These people inspire me. Uh, I would never, ever criticize them. And I will tell you that when we get criticisms about Red Rose Rescues, I take it personal because I see the sacrifice that Monica Miller's made over the years, Joan Andrews Bell has made over the years, Mary Wagner's made over the years. And I'm sorry, I'm gonna stand up for these people because we throw around the world the word hero, hero uh, too loosely in the pro-life movement. But if there are heroes, people like Mary Wagner, Monica Miller, uh, Father Fidelis and uh, Joan Andrews Bell are the true heroes of the movement who are willing to uh, sacrifice even their freedom for any length of time to save a baby's life. That scares me to think that uh, on my judgment, uh, God may, be, may ask me, like, did you do enough 
to save right. the lives of the unborn. And <laughs> no, he's I know gonna for some, ask you. Yeah, yeah, he's going to ask me. And I don't know if I would, if I can say that I've done enough for the lives of the unborn. And I know some of these people who have given years of their lives uh, in in prison and things like this would probably say the same thing. I have not done enough. And if they right. haven't done enough, then <laughs> where am I at, right, Father? Joe, Joe, there's only one answer, all right? If Jesus was to coming tomorrow, and I'm sorry, I might get in trouble. I got in trouble on one other radio broadcast, right? Because, oh, Father, that's a private revelation. But, I mean, if, if we are to believe the sheep and the goats and the least of Christ's brethren, if Jesus comes tomorrow, you can make a case for the fact that he's going to come down and we're going to see aborted babies from sunrise to sunset, horizon to horizon. And Jesus is going to ask us one question. What did you do about this? And there's only one answer, right? Uh, uh, there's only one answer. Well, Lord, have mercy on me. Surely not enough. There's, there's no other answer. It doesn't mm. matter who you are. Considering yeah. the enormity and the horror of this, uh, there can only be one answer. Lord, have mercy on me. I have not done enough. You know, I'll, I'm, I'm post-abortive, Father. You know that I gave my testimony at the Men's yeah. March in Baltimore. Uh, I'll never forget reading uh, the uh, Apocalypse of St. Peter, uh, a document from the early church of dubious origin. Uh, but the, there's a, a portion of that document that depicts hell as a lake of fire where people are in torment. And on the banks of that lake are the aborted children just staring at them burning. Mm. You know, that mm. is such a vivid image. And being post-abortive, boy, did that shock the senses, you know. So it is a very serious issue. Uh, to that end, let me ask you, uh, those that are sacrificing so much to save these children, uh, what are the kinds of charges, criminal trespass, I imagine? What are the penalties? Uh, give us a sense of that. Well, early on, Monica and Matt Connolly, I think, think, and maybe Will Goodman, I'm not sure, spent uh, an anomaly uh, 40 days in jail for a violation of a probation or something like that. Uh, Father Fidelis just recently spent a week in jail uh, for refusing to uh, 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 post bond or he didn't, he wouldn't accept bond. He wouldn't accept bail. Uh, so he spent a week in jail prior to trial. I've spent a week in jail. Uh, but I tell you what, in Washington, D.C., after I spent a week in jail, the Trump administration that oversees the uh, prosecutorial uh, departments in Washington, D.C., dropped charges against us eight times in a row. Wow. And since the beginning of covid uh, with these, uh, you know, Zoom trials like this right here, uh, there's been virtually uh, no penalties and there's been no talk about face because we don't violate face. So what we do is really extend the sidewalk into these waiting rooms or the hallways outside the waiting rooms or the parking lot. So this phony criticism by uh, groups within the pro-life movement saying, oh, face and everything else is, has not materialized, is not going to materialize. And actually what has happened is we have done a benefit to the pro-life movement by extending the sidewalk into the park a lot and into the buildings. And that's a good thing because that mm. gives us more opportunities to save babies. What do you, what is your opinion of the potential of overturning Roe v. Wade? I, I think it's going to happen primarily because if it wasn't going to happen, why wouldn't the Supreme court take the three opportunities they've had to stop the heartbeat bill in DC? I think the only reason why they're not stopping the heartbeat bill is because they know that Texas has a, uh, did I say DC? Uh, I meant Texas, uh, 
Texas has a trigger law. So if Roe versus Wade is overturned, there's going to be no abortions in Texas at all. Mm. And I think the Supreme Court knows that. So that's why they're not touching the heartbeat bill. That brings me to uh, to Florida, where I am now. We have 58 abortion mills down here, no trigger law, very few restrictions. And if Roe versus Wade is overturned, and I think this is why our Lord led me to, to Florida, we're going to be a mess and we're probably going to be the destination state. And when you think about the fact that you have Governor DeSantis standing up against uh, uh, everyone and everything in regards to uh, all the stuff that's going on, he needs to do the same thing for babies. So uh, Jim Havens and I are in the process of reaching out to him. Hopefully we'll be able to meet him and give the big picture and also the little picture and that he needs to not only pass a heartbeat bill, for now, but mm. a trigger law. So if Roe versus Wade is overturned, then we can end abortion in Florida. All right. Father Stephen Imbarato, Red Rose Rescue. His website is pro- protestchildkilling.com. That's protestchildkilling.com. Father, thank you for your time today. God bless you. God love, love you. Have a great day. Praise be to God. That's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We would love to have you in our second hour. You can always hang out with us live on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. By the way, we're also uh, giving away a Mercedes. You can find the details about that on our website, too. Uh, Otherwise, uh, if you're not going to be on a live video feed, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, for Catholic Drive Time. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine said that his church takes the Bible literally, but that the Catholic Church doesn't. Is that true? Catholics actually interpret the Bible in a literal sense, while many fundamentalists, evangelicals, and others interpret the Bible in a literalist sense. The literal meaning of a passage of Scripture is the meaning the author of that passage of Scripture intended to convey. The literalist interpretation of a passage of Scripture is, that's what it says, that's what it means. Here's an example to illustrate the difference. If you were to read a passage in a book that said it was raining cats and dogs outside, how would you interpret that? As Americans in the 21st century, we know that the author was intending to convey the idea that it was raining pretty doggone hard outside. That would be the literal or Catholic interpretation. The literalist interpretation would be that were you to walk outside, you would actually see cats and dogs falling from the sky like rain. No taking into account the popularly accepted meaning of this phrase. No taking into account what the author was intending to convey. The words say it was raining cats and dogs, so by golly, it was raining cats and dogs. That is the literalist or fundamentalist way of interpretation. Now, if someone 2,000 years in the future picked up that same book and read it was raining cats and dogs outside, in order to properly understand that passage in the book, they would need a literal interpretation, not a literalist interpretation. Now, think about that in the context of interpreting the Bible 2,000 to 3,000 years after it was written. We need a literal or Catholic interpretation versus literalist or fundamentalist interpretation. 
a beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. You are a mere 24 hours away from the uh, start of your weekend. Praise be to God for that. Okay, maybe slightly more because you've got to get through your work day. However, it's coming. You're like right there. So everything is going to be just wonderful. Praise be to God. And speaking of which, we just wrapped up a conversation with Father Stephen Imbarato about the Red Rose Rescue Movement. Uh, very surprising. I think there were several details about that that I found very surprising. And uh, we'll be posting that conversation to our social feeds you can get the, the clips, the podcast, everything on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, listeners. Praise be to God. Uh, you have some uh, good news for us, to, I guess, coming up here in a moment. Yeah, and I think you're going to like this story, Joe. Is it a tearjerker? Is it about puppies? It's not a tearjerker, but it's, it's more of a story of how awesome this is. Oh, huh. Hmm. Life is good. It's, so it's not about puppies? No, well, no. No. I was going to say, well, if you like shooting puppies, but no. I don't not. like shooting puppies. Absolutely <laughs> not. No shooting it doesn't involve dogs. Zero involve shooting dogs. of puppies. <laughs> speaking, <laughs> speaking of awesome, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Speaking of shooting puppies? I didn't want to say shooting what? puppies. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you know. We know what you did. I, <laughs> Joe, uh, Rudy was talking about, you know, an awesome story about how awesome something is. It's obviously a story about me. I mean, it's clear. Mm, it's clear to me. It's clear to you. Every, everything okay. has uh-huh. been revealed. I understand it now. Is that called private revelation? I'm it, just curious. No, this is definitely public it's revelation. Definitely, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's right there on in the par Gospel with of Fatima? Luke. No, no. It's right there in the Gospels, my friend. You're the most (laughs) humble person you you know. Amen, brother. Just ask me. Just just ask me. I'll let you know. What is the... uh, I used to... uh, My uh, old youth minister used to say whenever I was in middle school, he'd say, uh, my prayer is, Lord, make me humble. And if you do, don't let me know it. So... Great prayer. Praise be to God. All right. Uh, well, we are going to have a fun hour this hour. We like to laugh a little more in the second hour. And uh, we have some good news, as we just said, to share with you here in a moment. And then, of course, we have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then 15 Pass. We're going to play our game, Fear and Trembling. It's a Catholic trivia game show where prizes are at stake. We have a very cool sponsor. Who's our sponsor again this week? Today, our sponsor, well, this week, our sponsor is Baritus Catholic Illustrations. Baritus. And what do they do? 
Well, uh, he's an illustrator and uh, he's a convert to the faith and he's got some Super really cool. amazing illustrations, um, you know, kind of modern modern depictions, but not not as bad as you would think. When you say <laughs> yeah, you're scaring okay. me with that. Yeah. I'm not a contemporary don't a, art don't guy. Don't be afraid. It looks great. Yeah. It looks great. Also, I like fantastic it. art. And I'm it's a really meanie trad. And you're a meanie trad. Uh, all right. Well, we, I still want to get uh, Liz Lev back on the on the show at some point to talk about contemporary art. But at any rate, uh, we are going to jump into it. What's their website real quick? Uh, you can check out their Etsy store. Uh, you just type in Baritus, B-A-R-I-T-U-S, okay. Catholic illustration. Baritus, thank you for generously sponsoring our game show to give out prizes to our mm-hmm. incredible Catholic Drive Time listeners. Amen. And before I forget, because I forgot yesterday... Uh, Adrian was throwing things at me Uh-oh. to remind me, uh, but uh, we are trying to give away a Mercedes. Uh, so if you would like to win, potentially, a brand new Mercedes, uh, I think it's a GLA 250, if I'm not mistaken, uh, then you just go to grnonline.com and you can find, you click, scroll down, you'll see an image of a Mercedes. Click on that. You'll get the rules. You can purchase raffle tickets. It's going to be great. And all of it goes to support our Catholic Radio Apostolate. So thank you in advance. And if you do win the Mercedes, then I get first dibs on the ride. Okay, I'm just saying that out loud. I get to ride first. Uh, <laughs> before your spouse, okay? The, even you that didn't call is, Shotgun, Joe. I, I didn't, did I? Darn it. Darn shotgun. it. Will I fit in the shotgun. back of a GLA 280? I'm 250. I'm just curious. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Let's pray. You can find all the details on the website, grnonline.com forward slash... No, you can't. Just go to grnonline.com for the, for the car. At any rate, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here's your good news story for the day. KLFY10 reports, 11-year-old with cerebral palsy bags his first buck, goes viral on a post. For any hunter, getting their first buck is an experience they'll always remember. For 11-year-old Lucas McCormick, bagging his buck was not only memorable, but also a moment that he is now spreading joy to people around the world. He's amazed by the views, Carla McCormick said, Lucas's mom. Lucas, who has cerebral palsy, was excited to get the buck during the first week of deer season. His mom posted pictures of him with it on Facebook to a page called PA Trophy Takers. The post also also showed how Lucas's father built a system he could use to shoot the buck all on his own. Lucas, who has an infectious smile that can brighten anyone's day, was born at 26 weeks. He was just around one pound and 14 ounces. They didn't think anything. They they didn't think anything until two days before I left the the NICU. Said his mother. They saw shading on the brain, but they couldn't diagnose him with cerebral palsy until he was one years old. Cerebral palsy is a motor disability that affects one one's ability to move and maintain balance and posture, and it's typically caused by brain damage before birth. For Lucas, it has been a tough journey. It's amazing that he what he goes through, and he smiles through everything, his mom said. The smile starts with his family, who makes sure nothing stands in the way of his dreams. He does everything, said Daniel McCormick, McCormick 
Lucas's dad. An avid hunter, Daniel McCormick engineered a system so his 11-year-old, who uses a wheelchair, could have the freedom to hunt by himself. He does that with a button, Daniel McCormick said, demonstrating. He just pushes it and it sends power to it and he pulls a trigger. Lucas is now able to not only shoot the gun himself, but also to see the deer on a screen attached to his device. Before, before we said, hey, there's a deer coming, pull the string. Kayla McCormick explained, and now he can see it, and he can get the excitement of being able to see the deer and shoot it. It's all because of the, ter the determination of his father that Lucas got the first buck that brought on his smile. I even had a, veter a veteran say he was really, he, he was really down excuse me i even had a veteran say he was really down on on his <laughs> i'm not sure what the spelling is here had a veteran contact me who was down and seeing his smile made his day as his mom said it's amazing the original post has gotten tens of thousands of shares and counting people have also reached out to offer to take lucas hunting in places such as missouri and maine his mom said right now lucas is getting his buck mounted by swarthout skullworks in roaring ranch tioga county who offered to take the work for free. The sixth grader also said his dream is to become a YouTuber with his brother and would upload videos of themselves playing video games. I would watch that stream. And that was your good news story for the day. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Adelaide. Born in 931 in Orv Castle, which is modern day Switzerland. She was a daughter of Rudolf II of Burgundy. After her husband, King Lothair II of France, was murdered, she fled those accusing her of misdeeds, taking refuge in the castle of Como. Nevertheless, she was quickly tracked down and imprisoned for four months at Garda. She managed to escape from captivity. She was rescued by a priest and taken to a certain impregnable fortress. She managed to send an emissary to Otto I and asked the East Frankish king for his protection. The widow met Otto at the old Lombard capital of Pavia, and they married on the 23rd of September, 951. Adelaide accompanied her husband on his second expedition to Italy, destined to subdue the revolt of Berenger II and to protect Pope John XII. In Rome, Otto the Great was crowned the Holy Roman Emperor on the 2nd of February, 962, by Pope John XII, and breaking tradition also crowned Adelaide as Holy Roman Empress. Four years later, Adelaide and their 11-year-old son, Otto II, traveled again in 966 on his third expedition to Italy, where the emperor restored the newly elected Pope John XIII to his throne and executed some of the Roman rioters who had deposed him. Adelaide and her husband eventually returned to Germany where Otto died and the same Memleben palace where his father had died 37 years earlier. Adelaide resigned as regnant when Otto III was declared of legal majority in 995, and from then on devoted herself exclusively to her works of charity, especially that of founding religious houses, monasteries, churches, and abbeys. Adelaide had a close relation with the monastery in Cluny, and she retired to a nunnery which she had founded in 991 at Sells in Alesk. On her way to Burgundy to support her nephew, Rudolf III, against a rebellion, she died at Sells Abbey on the 16th of December, 999, days short of the millennium she thought would bring the second coming of Christ. She was buried in the abbey and Pope Urban II canonized her in 1097. St. Adelaide, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. 
And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What went ye out into the desert to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went you out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Behold, they that are in costly apparel and live delicately are in houses of kings. But what went you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say to you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my angel before thy face, who shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say to you, amongst those that are born of men, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is lesser in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people hearing... And the publicans justified God being baptized with John's baptism. But the Pharisees and the lawyers despised the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized by him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Ignatius Catholic Commentary points out that in fact, the we, the reed shaken with the wind, the fine garments, the palaces, both of these were references to, to Herod Antipas. Uh, there was a coin minted for him in those days that actually uh, featured reeds shaking in the wind. So a very fascinating fact there that uh, as you read sacred scripture, you got to peel it back like an onion because there's so many great layers there. I also like that little reference to an angel, John the Baptist being like an angel. Uh, the the fathers would comment that, in fact, they did not mean this very, our Lord did not say he is an angel. He is not an angel. He is a human person. Uh, but like an angel who is to herald the good news, to herald, to bring about the message that God uh, sends them to communicate, John gave his life to make this message very, very clear. Uh, would that we would do the same, right? Would that we would spend our life doing the one thing God has called us to, rather than trying to hold on, white-knuckling this life to spend another 80 rotations on this little ball we call home. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, one thing, or I guess two things. One, in the response to the, the point on the angel, the word angel here uh, literally means messenger. I mean, it always literally means messenger. But in this context, our Lord is using the word angel to say that John the Baptist, he said, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare the way before thee. And go on in verse 28, he says, There is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Now, that's an important thing to note because the error of prophets ends at John the Baptist. He is the last prophet, and he is the greatest of the prophets. Why did did uh, John the Baptist part the Red Sea? Did he conquer nations? Did he uh, do all these crazy miracles that many of the other prophets did? Well, not necessarily. I mean, he might have, but not necessarily. The reason why he's the greatest of the prophets is because he proclaims the coming of the Messiah. He is directly preparing the way, while the other prophets indirectly prepares the way. John the Baptist directly prepares the way of the Lord. And then our Lord goes on, and this is what's shocking. But he that is the lesser in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Why is this the case? This is the case because our God and our Father in heaven has provided for us the true faith, has provided us with the sacraments, because the old law was never salvific. That's why all the prophets of the Old Testament, 
All the holy people of the Old Testament did not make it to heaven until after the death of Christ. Because even if they kept the law as much as they possibly could, they still it still was not salvific for them. That's why they waited in the limbo of the of the fathers and for the coming of our Lord to bring them to the kingdom of heaven. And that is what our Lord has brought for us. Amen. Praise be to God. Uh, the phone number is now alive, and you are welcome to call it because we are about to play our game show Fear and Trembling. If you would like to possibly win some cool prizes from Barry Toos, who was our generous sponsor this week, then you need to call right now, 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. If you've never been our contestant before, let me encourage you. It's fun. You don't need to know the answers. You could still win at 877-757-9424. Call now, especially if it's been a while, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children develop the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ, and welcome back to Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. But what we need most right now, more than me telling you all of our secrets, is we need a phone call. We need a phone caller on the line so that we can play our game. A contestant is what we need, and that phone number is 877-757-9424. 
That's 877-757-9424. But there are a few things that we like to do that I don't like to tell anybody. So you got to promise. <laughs> what are you laughing about? So you got to promise me never to share with anybody what I'm about to tell you. All right. So here's the deal. Number one. I don't know why you're laughing, Rudy. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you could learn something you did not know before about your Catholic faith. I mean, what could go wrong, right? And then number two, we like to laugh. We like to have a good time. And our callers tend to be a lot of fun. We really enjoy that part. And then we, of course, give out prizes, which makes it pretty much a winner for everybody involved. Uh, But here's the kicker. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me. I will not ask the caller, so they don't need to know the right answers, and they could still win the game. And the reason is because instead of asking them, I'm going to ask Rudy, and I'm going to ask Adrian, one of which will be correct, and the other will be incorrect. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. And once again, Rudy, who is that? Well, this week we have Chris Lewis, who is the illustrator behind Baritus. It's an artistic project dedicated to the preserving the, to preserving the legacy of our rich Catholic artistic traditions, but in a way that resonates today. And he's gra- he's graciously sponsored this week's game show with some beautifully illustrated prayer cards. All right, praise be to God. Thank you, Baritus, for your generous gift to our audience this week. We're very grateful, very and we're generous. looking forward to giving them away tomorrow on the show. So the last you get uh, three chances today and three chances tomorrow. All right. Speaking of which, let's go to the phones. Let's see Catherine. Good morning to you. Thanks for calling in. Hi, good morning. Thanks for having me. Praise be to God. Catherine, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. That's like two calls in a row from Houston. I think I know where that is. What? That's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. There's a, a heated contest between Dallas and San Antonio. Houston may be rivaling things now, which means, golly, you is Alabama, Florida, Maryland, Virginia. You're going to have to step things up today. Uh, but, uh, Catherine, where do you go to church? No pressure. Uh, St. Lawrence Catholic Church. Oh, wow. Praise be to God. Fun fact, once the heart of St. John Vianney was at St. Lawrence, which is literally right around the corner from our studio, and nobody bothered to tell me until it was too late. But I'm not holding a grudge, Catherine. I'm not holding a grudge at all. I'm teasing, of course. I'm I'm, I'm only teasing you. (laughs) Poor Catherine's like, I have no idea what to do with that. All right, Catherine, uh, praise be to God. Do you know the rules to the game? Um, I think I've heard them, but did you go through it? Sure. Well, here is the good news. You don't have to know any of the right answers. Praise be to God. And the reason is because I'm not going to ask you these questions. I'm going to ask Rudy and I'm going to ask Adrian. One of them will be correct and the other will be incorrect. Your job is to figure out which one of them is trying to uh, trying to manipulate you. And you have to figure out which one is correct. And if you get them correct, you go into the coffee cup of Divine Providence and we'll pull out a name tomorrow. And it could be yours and you might win the prize. All right? Awesome. All right. Praise be to God. Here we go. We're going to go to Rudy first, as is our custom. Rudy, are you ready? Yes, sir. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yeah. Rudy, can you tell me what title was given to King Henry VIII of England by His Holiness Pope Leo X in the year 1521? It's a special title. What was it? Huh. King Henry VIII. Uh, wow. The guy who pretty much ruined England. Um, 
I'm going to go for Defender of the Faith. Defender of the Faith? <laughs> wow, okay. Defender of the Faith. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, all right, well, let's just see what Adrian says. Adrian, can you tell me what title was given to King Henry VIII of England uh-huh. by Pope Leo X in 1521? Right. King Henry VIII, the founder of the Anglican Church who yeah. divorced his wives. Uh-huh. He yeah. had it a couple, too. Uh-huh. That would be the Arch Heretic. That was the title he was given. Maybe it's the title he ought to have been given. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Let's get serious here. All right. So you're saying Arch Heretic is your answer. Yep. Okay. Hmm. All right, Catherine, here is the deal. King Henry VIII, the guy who left the church, was he in fact given the title Defender of the Faith, as Rudy seems to suggest? Or was he given the title Arch Heretic... As Adrian seems to suggest, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Catherine, what say you? Go with our That is a tricky one. Tricky that one. That is a tricky one. And the Ooh, reason man. why is because before he went all arch heretic like. He wrote, with the help of St. Thomas More, some say, uh, a defense of the faith against Martin Luther, who also was a hard share. Yeah, in defense of the seven sacraments. And yeah, yeah allegedly, uh, which I think is true, St. Thomas More actually wrote it, and he was just was his ghostwriter. But the good news is we all learned something today. Praise be to God. But uh, don't worry. Going to get you in the cup with this next question. Adrian, can you tell me? Uh-oh. That's dangerous. What is the virtue which in practice preserves the mind from impure thoughts and desires and restrains the will from impure deeds. What is that virtue called? Uh Mm Uh-huh. So the virtue which preserves the mind from impure thoughts and desires restrains the will from impure deeds. That's what I said. That's continence. Continence. Ooh, Mm -hmm. I like that. I think I read about that someplace. Yep. Continent. No problem. Hmm. All right. Let's just see what Rudy says. Rudy, can you tell me what is the virtue which in practice preserves the mind from impure thoughts and desires and restrains the will from impure deeds? What do we call that? That is called temperance, my friend. Temperance. Hmm. Temper those thoughts. Hmm. Temper the thoughts. Well, okay. Hmm. Rudy seems to think it's called temperance, whereas Adrian says it's called continence. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Catherine, what say you? Um, I'm definitely going to go with temperance. Adrian. Go with Adrian. Oh! Oh my god! I tricked you. What are you? Yikes. Y'all are just not right, okay? I got the answer right. What you're doing to Catherine... uh, No, seriously. Seriously, Catherine. (laughs) I mean, I'm telling you, it's not right. But we're going to get you in this cup. We're going to get you in this cup, Catherine. Oh, we're determined. We're determined to make this happen now. All right. Last question. Uh Definitely the easiest question. Okay, Rudy, help me out. What is the term? (laughs) What is the term for the lifting up of our mind and heart to God? I think we had this question recently, didn't we? Mm -hmm. What is the term? For the lifting up of our mind and heart to God. What do we call that? We call that prayer. Yay and amen. Praise be to God. All right, let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you, can you tell me? Yes. What is the term for the lifting up of our mind and heart to God? Yeah, that's called an Assisi meeting. 
It's called what? In a CC meeting. Don't, don't even don't even worry about it, Cat. Don't even worry don't about even, it. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> just, just keep moving. Nothing to see here. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> okay, I gotta be a professional about this. Okay, Adrian says it is called an CC meeting. <clears throat> Whereas Rudy says it's called prayer, lifting up our hearts and minds to God. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Catherine, what say you? I'm just going to go with prayer. <laughs> Survey says. That's God. good. That's a safe one. Praise be to God. Amen. Yay. Yay. Amen. Nice. Woo. <laughs> All right. Praise God. You're in the cup, Catherine. We're so excited. Finally. God Woo. is so good. But we learned something, right? Yeah, we did. Amen. <laughs> where, where are you that off to today, Catherine? I'm on my way to work, so this was a good icebreaker for me to get my mind going for the day. Well, when you get there, <laughs> nice. you, you got some you got some uh, material now that you can throw on your coworkers. You say, you know, you ever, oh, guys yeah. ever heard of continents before? Yeah, let me tell you about continents. Or did, fascinating fact: King Henry VIII, the defender of the faith, right before he destroyed the church in England. You know, so lots of fun things you can talk to your uh, your coworkers about today, Catherine. But that was me, so crazy. <laughs> either way, we're so <laughs> grateful that you were on. You're such a good sport. God love you. We're gonna put you on hold so we can get your phone number. But uh, if it be God's will, your name could come out of that cup tomorrow. So tune in tomorrow to find out. All right, thank you so much. God love you, Bye. Catherine. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, that is gonna do it for the radio side of our show. Don't forget, we're trying to give somebody a Mercedes. It could be you. All you need to do is go to grnonline.com and find the details on the car raffle. It's a brand new GLA 250. Uh, it might be yours. I don't know. You can find the rules and purchase tickets on our website or call your local Guadalupe Radio Network station manager. They would love to take your call. You can find those details also on our website at grnonline.com. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning for another round of Catholic Drive Time. Otherwise, we'll see you in the after show on our live video feed right now. Until then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Today we celebrate Thursday of the third week of Advent. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. On Jordan's bank the Baptist's cry announces that the Lord is nigh. Awake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of kings. Then cleanse me every life from sin, make straight the way 
for God within. And let us all our hearts prepare for Christ to come and enter there. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty, Almighty God, and to, and to you, you, my brothers and sisters, that I, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what, what I have done, in what, what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask the Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, and to you my brothers and sisters, to pray, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Unworthy servants that we are, O Lord, grieved by the guilt of our deeds, we pray that you may gladden us by the saving advent of your only begotten Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Raise a glad cry. You barren one who did not bear. Break forth into jubilant song, you who were not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the deserted wife than the children of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the space for your tent. Spread out your tent cloths unsparingly. Lengthen your, ro your ropes and make firm your stakes. For you shall spread abroad to the right and to the left. Your descendants shall dispossess the nations and shall people the desolate cities. Fear not, you shall not be put to shame. You need not blush, for you shall not be disgraced. The shame of your youth you shall forget, the reproach of your widowhood no longer remember. For he who has become your husband is your maker. His name is the Lord of hosts. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, called God of all the earth. The Lord calls you back, like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, a wife married in youth and then cast off, says, the, says your God. For a brief moment I abandon you, but with great tenderness I will take you back. In an outburst of wrath, for a moment I hid my face from you, but with enduring love I take pity on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. This is for me like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah should never again deluge the earth. So I have sworn not to be angry with you or to rebuke you. Though the mountains leave their place and the hills be shaken, my love shall never leave you, nor my covenant of peace be shaken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. I will praise you, Lord, 
for you have rescued me. I will extol you, O Lord, for you drew me near, and did not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, you brought me up from the netherworld, you preserved me from among those going down into the pit. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. Sing praise to the Lord, you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger lasts but a moment, a lifetime his goodwill. At nighttime weeping enters in, but with the dawn rejoicing. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. Hear, O Lord, and have pity on me. O Lord, be my helper. You changed my mourning into dancing. O Lord, my God, forever will I give you thanks. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. When the messengers of John the Baptist had left, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine garments? Those who dress luxuriously and live sumptuously are found in royal palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom Scripture says, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of woman, no one is greater than John, yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people who listened, including the tax collectors, who were baptized with the baptism of John, acknowledged the righteousness of God. But the Pharisees and scholars of the law who were not baptized by him rejected the plan of God for themselves. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today's Gospel we hear of people going out into the desert, going to see John the Baptist and Jesus asking them the question, what did you go out there to see? In other words, what are you looking for? I think in the first place it's important to note the significance of the location that this ministry of John takes place in the desert. Because the desert in sacred scripture, oftentimes it really is a kind of place of simplicity, even a place of desolation, you could say, but a place where life is kind of brought bare and all of the distractions that may come from city living or even sometimes the distractions of being in an overtly beautiful place, the things that can distract us from God are all kind of stripped away and all what you have there is yourself and the barrenness which is around you and it really then lends itself to a kind of reflection to say 
uh, what am I looking for in life? What is it that I am searching for? I think in the world in which we are living in today, we all know that there are many, many things which are vying for our attention and which are kind of constant distractions to us. We probably all struggle with the phone which clings to us and is constantly hearkening out and trying to get our attention. Uh, we have many other distractions in our day-to-day -day life that we have to encounter and that we have to be able to put in their proper place. And so Advent kind of reminds us of the importance of this kind of desert experience where we are able to simplify things and to go back to some of the more basic and fundamental questions in life, like namely, what are you looking for? I think that really is kind of at the core of Jesus's question to the crowds here when he says, what did you go out to see? In other words, there was something which drove these people to go out into the desert looking for John the Baptist. They clearly are a people who are searching. They are people who are looking for something. There are people who aren't completely satisfied with their current lot in life or the current state of affairs, and they want something more, and so they go out to this barren place to hear the words of John the Baptist. Well, Advent is also a time for us to simplify life, but also to ask that question, uh, what is it that we are really looking for in life? Of course, Advent as a preparation for the coming of Jesus in itself reminds us that ultimately what every human person is looking for is happiness, and it is a gift which only our Lord Jesus Christ can offer. In other words, they were going out into the desert to look for Jesus. They were going out to look for the Messiah. Well, we now, who are living 2,000 years later, thankfully we have had the opportunity to encounter the Lord. We have had the opportunity to know his revelation, to know that he truly is the Son of God, the one who has the words of eternal life. And now it is our place to ensure that our life doesn't become overly cluttered by the distractions of this world and the distractions of day-to-day -day life, but that rather we always remember in our hearts that truly the one that we are all looking for, the one who we are seeking out, is none other than the Lord Jesus. He comes to us at every celebration of the sacred mass. He comes to us, of course, in a very special way in this season of Christmas, and is he the one that we look for with longing and with expectation and to be the source of our fulfillment in life. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us ask God for the grace that we would have the courage to seek the necessary simplicity in life that would allow us to encounter the Lord Jesus in the various ways that we do throughout our day, that we would always be mindful of the fact that he truly is the one who we are seeking out, the one that we desire to see most of all. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops for their physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders that they would be inspired to enact laws which are just and that protect and safeguard the dignity of human life in all of its phases and which never contradict the natural law of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, 
that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, for all those who have asked for our prayers, for all those joining us online and via radio for this Mass, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray that during this Advent season that we would truly seek to simplify our lives in order to have the Lord Jesus be more central in it. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the repose of the soul of Colleen Stanton and for the faithful departed. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray as well on the anniversary of the passing of Father Santan Pinto for the repose of his soul. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that behold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. The advent of our King our thoughts must now employ then let us meet him on the road with songs of holy joy the co-eternal son a maiden's offspring see a servant's form christ putteth on to set his people free. Daughter of Zion, rise to greet thine infant king, nor let thy stubborn heart despise the pardon he doth bring. In glory from his throne, Again will Christ descend and summon all who are his own to joys that never end. Let deeds of darkness fly before the approaching morn. For unto sin tis ours to die, and serve the virgin born. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands, praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. Accept, we pray, O Lord, these offerings we make, gathered from among your gifts to us, and may what you grant us to celebrate devoutly here below gain for us the prize of eternal redemption through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, 
Almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For he assumed at his first coming the lowliness of human flesh, and so fulfilled the design you formed long ago, and opened for us the way to eternal salvation, that when he comes again in glory and majesty, and all is at last made manifest, we who watch for that day may inherit the great promise in which now we dare to hope. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabbat, plenis sunt terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in Domine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember your servant Colleen, whom you have called today from this world to yourself. Grant that she, who was united with your son in a death like his, may also be one with him in his resurrection. 
Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus indicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat reinum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, Sicut in cello et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum, Da nobis hodie, Et imite nobis debita nostra, Sicut et nos dimitimus, Debitoribus nostris, Et ne nos inducas in tentationem, Sed liberanos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, and graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, qui tollis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, qui tollis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, Qui tollis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
after spiritual communion. I, Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The angel Gabriel from heaven came With wings as drifted snow, with eyes as flame All hail said he, O lowly maiden Mary Most highly favored lady Gloria how blessed among all women you shall be, whom every age will praise continually. Your son shall be Emmanuel by seers foretold, most highly favored lady, Gloria. Then gentle Mary meekly bowed her head To me be as it pleases God, she said My soul shall laud and magnify God's holy name Most highly favored lady, Gloria Let us pray. May these mysteries, O Lord, in which we have participated, profit us, we pray, for even now as we walk amid passing things, you teach us by them to love the things of heaven and hold fast to what endures through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation Hope of all the earth thou art, Dear desire of every nation, Joy of every longing heart, Born thy people to deliver, Born a child and yet a king, Born to reign in us forever, Now. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, Saint Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Is a 